Okay. All right, we left off talking about diabetes. So what is the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? All right. So type 1 is destruction of beta cells, so we just don't make insulin at all, eventually. Now, the, the period of time where the pancreas is failing could last a couple years, or it could be very precipitous, a couple months or weeks. Um, and once, once someone finds out that they have this, how do they usually find that out, by the way? Ketoacidosis. So they get in the hospital, they, we fix them up, and we tell them, you're going to have this for the rest of your life. And what do they go into? Denial. And then they go into the honeymoon phase, which confirms their denial. So a lot of times they end up in ketoacidosis twice because of that denial. Um, type 2 diabetes is a problem of insulin what? Resistance. Now, how many of you have ever tried to take the uh, top off of a jar or do something that required some force and it was supposed to be not that hard, but it was like, it didn't work. What do you do? <laughs> and you apply more force and more force and then you give it to someone who's stronger and let them do it or you have one of those little twisty things. So you, you, tr you put more force on it, right? Eventually, what happens? If, you, if it either opens or you get weaker until you give up. All right, so that's what kind of happens with insulin resistance. So if, ins if your body's insulin needs are like this and the amount of insulin your body puts out is on that same line, Eventually, in diabetes, the insulin resistance goes up. So what happens to your insulin production? It also goes up. Now, as long as these two lines can stay the same, is your patient going to have any symptoms? No. Eventually, though, it's going to go up high enough to where your, your um, insulin production can't keep up. And neither can my, my pen here. At, what, at that point, what happens? Well, your pancreas is beginning to fail a little bit, but what happens in terms of symptoms? Well, you've had hyperinsulinemia this whole time that the insulin levels have gone up. Blood sugar goes up. So as long as your, as your body can, as long as your pancreas can compensate for the insulin resistance by putting out more insulin, your blood sugar will stay the same. Eventually, it's not going to be able to catch up anymore. And that's when the person starts to get high blood sugar. Now, there's kind of a gray zone where the blood sugar is just a little bit high. What do we call that? Say again? Pre-diabetes. Okay. So in this, in this phase right here, where the insulin levels are keeping up, that patient has normal blood sugar levels. Eventually, you begin to fail a little bit, and blood sugar starts going up. When it goes above 100, we call it prediabetes. Once it gets to 125, we call it diabetes. What's changed in the disease process? What's changed is the distance between these two lines, the insulin resistance and the insulin supply. Now, what are we going to do about that as healthcare providers? Okay, we're going to educate them on what's happening in their body. What else? Okay, and what do we call that? T 
TLC. What is TLC? There a few therapeutic lifestyle changes. All right. So by therapeutic lifestyle changes, are we changing the insulin level or are we changing the resistance level? We're changing the resistance level. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring this resistance level back down some. And so how are we going to do that? What are we going to tell the patient to bring their insulin levels back down? Or not the, their resistance levels back down? Exercise, diet, lose weight. Those are the big three. <laughs> um, some other things that may help might include stop smoking. Low sugar diet. But the therapeutic lifestyle changes are an attempt to bring it back down. Now, are most people successful? No. no. Either they chose the wrong parents or their therapeutic lifestyle changes just aren't enough. And so eventually what's going to happen is the pancreas will stay down here. It just can't produce anymore. So what, what are we going to do after that? Medicine. medicine. And what are the two basic ways the medicines can work? Okay. One of them is to increase the insulin level, and those are called secretagogues. The other way is to lower the need for insulin, lower the insulin resistance in some manner or other. So what are the two drug classes that are secretagogues? Sulfonylureas and metaglinides. Now, sulfonylureas, are they long-acting or short-acting in general? Long-acting. At least the generation two is. So they're going to work for 12 hours or more. Metaglinides, are they long-acting or short-acting? Metaglinides are short-acting. So when are we, what type of sugar control are we going to use metaglinides for? For, for postprandial control. So you take it right before you eat, and then it, make, it gives you a little spike of insulin just to get you past that meal. So ureas you're going to give to lower kind of blood, blood sugar all day long. Now, what do those two drugs have in common as far as side effects go? Um, not, not necessarily. So, yeah, they can both cause hypoglycemia. The sulfonylureas will also make a person gain weight. The metaglinides, not so much. Now, as far as affecting the insulin resistance part, what are the drugs that we would use for that? Okay. Well, not insulin, because that's actually giving artificial insulin. But as far as affecting the insulin resistance, the top line, what's going to fix that? Metformin. Give me another drug class. TZDs. Okay, those are the big two classes that are going to affect the, um, the insulin resistance. Now, there's another drug uh, class, the alpha-glucosidase inhibitors. What did they do? The opposite. They prevent or slow down the breaking of sucrose into 
fructose and glucose. So what they're going to do is they're going to slow down sugar absorption. That really doesn't have an effect on either line, but what it does is it allows the insulin that you have to not be needed as much. So it slows down the need for insulin. Then we have those new drug classes, the, the ones that I don't want you to remember the names of any drugs right now. So amylin, artificial amylin, tells your body to stop producing as much glucagon. And what's that going to do? Okay, so it's going to prevent your liver from, from secreting as much sugar. It's also going to make you not feel as hungry. Then we also have the incretin modifiers. We have one that's artificial incretin, and then we have another one that, is, um, that inhibits the breakdown of incretin. Now, what part of your body secretes incretin? The intestines. And when does it secrete it? When you're full, when you've eaten. And so the intestines secrete this stuff called incretin, which tells your body, we're not hungry anymore, thank you, you've filled us up. And does something else that I'm drawing a blank on. It will, it will cause weight loss. Yeah. That's right. It also causes, um, causes insulin secretion. All right. Because it makes you feel full, it leads to the weight loss, which also helps the diabetes. All right. Um, any questions about diabetes in general? Wait, did you say, so does incretin make insulin last longer? No. In your podcast, you said incretin makes incretin last longer. Yeah. Incretin... Incretin makes your, what does it, slows down the absorption. So it acts kind of like alpha-glucosidase in that sense of it slows the absorption of sugar. So it makes your insulin need not quite as high. There was a question on your um, diabetes worksheet about like the two receptors. About two receptors? All right, hang on just a moment. Okay. Name the two receptors that insulin affects. Um, not really. Well, one is the insulin receptor and the other is a human growth hormone receptor. So you do need to know that when you get to maternity, because if you have, if you have um, gestational diabetes and you have to give insulin to that woman, the insulin will act as human growth hormone to the baby. So you get this enormous baby. All right. Any other? Yeah. So, so you do need to know that, but not for my class. Um, what else? Any other questions on diabetes? When did you say you give? Right before a meal. They have to eat within 30 minutes or they can get hypoglycemic. Right. And you'll probably have a question asking you to know something about medicalinized. And those are the two. Those are the only two that can cause hypo. You're right. 
sulfonyl ureas and the metaglinides. Um, not specific. Not as specific. They don't. Come, they don't act as quickly as the metaglinides. So you do need to eat while you're on them, or you can become hypoglycemic. But it's not as specific. You have to eat within 30 minutes. Do you need some specifics on the um, metformin and CCD? Okay. So metformin. What do you need to know about metformin? Say again. Okay. It's an oral hypoglycemic. And how does it work? It's basically going to inhibit the effects of glucagon. So it will decrease appetite, and that's mainly through the side effect of nausea. nausea. Now, it's not a direct glucagon inhibitor. It just, the way it works, counteracts glucagon. So it'll suppress appetite, mainly through the side effect of nausea, it will, which can end up leading to weight loss, which is probably a good thing for our patient. Um, it'll inhibit the gluconeogenesis gluconeogenesis in the liver and glycogenolysis in the liver, both of which increase secretion of sugar by the liver. And the one thing that it does that is not related to glucagon activity, it also enhances um, insulin resistance, or I guess reduces insulin resistance in muscle cells. Right. So yeah. do you take that with something else then? Like do you take that with another, with an insulin per se, so that it works better? Yes. Metformin can be used in combination with sulfonylureas, insulin, TZDs, and acarbose. Is it at night? If you do the long-acting, you take it at night. If you do the regular strength then you, or the regular type, you have to take it morning and night. Um, then um, who should not be on metformin? Renal insufficiency and heart failure are the two big ones. And what's the danger there? Lactic acidosis. All right. Um, so who should be on metformin? A person who's got late diabetes or a person who's got early diabetes? Why do we say early? Yeah. Because what are the, what are the long-term effects of diabetes? Kidney, kidney failure, which and eventually heart attacks. And what's the number one cause of heart failure in our country? Repeated heart attacks. So if you wait till late diabetes, the patient's gonna have those diseases that you should not be giving metformin with. So you wanna give it early and help prevent those diseases. All right, now go back, going back to this little diagram where we have the insulin resistance and the insulin climbing at the same time. When does the risk of heart attack occur for this patient? When does there increased risk? It actually starts at the beginning when it starts to go up. So here's where we diagnose the person with diabetes. Here's where we diagnose them with prediabetes. But the risk of heart attack happened way back here. And what's the span of time between where they start to go up and they actually become diagnosed with diabetes? It's about five years. 